0: One, two, three. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's the Reprobate Travel Cast. My guest today. Music man, Larry Ramey. Welcome to the studio, Larry. Hey, man, it's really good to be here.
1: Am I supposed to still do the old no, music? whenever you... i was allowed to talk even over i'm still no man band. yeah whatever
0: <laughs> it's whatever great you want to be do on the cast man <laughs>
1: today thank you very much i've never really done like you know the uh, the intro music while i'm saying hi <laughs> yeah i don't uh, know it's, and, and it's really cool dude I'm, I'm doing i'm breaking
0: new ground i just do whatever the fuck i want to do on the podcast if i want to just set it up in the middle of the street i will we're still in columbus ohio folks <laughs> yeah I am. I, 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 it's a travel podcast i've been in one city columbus I've been all over the world But you
1: can take this anywhere
0: I can and I'm, go, and I'm
1: going to I'm going to take it all I kinds like of places I feel like this is groundbreaking Thanks for having me on the show
0: Yeah, you're on This is show number It's either going to be Two or three Or four I don't know Cool Two lumber. Woohoo Sweet uh, So mm-hmm. you, you actually Larry is an old friend of mine He's got some travel stories for us today, and some travel tips, if I'm not mistaken. Do I have travel tips? Well, you will by the end of the show.
1: We'll make some up. Okay. What I know about this is that you said, think about travel, so that's not very much. That's that's all right. (laughs) That's cool. We've got it in us. Uh, It's fun. You sang in the studio with Johnny Paycheck? Is that true I, or false? I, oh no, that's that's true. He, uh, it wasn't like a proud situation, probably for anyone involved. What he do you was mean? Like, well, he was—he's a cool guy, but I'd be, if I signed with Johnny Paycheck, I'd be pretty proud. Oh, I—I I don't. Please don't. Say, no, I'm very proud uh-huh. of that. But I'm saying it was a humble time. It was when he was um, before he went to prison, mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, well, kind of traveling around in the bus. His mom was ill, and he came back to this area because he's from Green. Green, what is it? Greenfield, Ohio. Okay, and so he was like visiting mom, and he had sat on his teeth in his own bus, and oh, I've them. done that. And you, what? I sat I, on my teeth. You, I was so
0: you don't drunk, have fake dude. teeth. No no, 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 I don't no. have fake teeth. Nice. Okay, you know. I was just really hammered when yeah, I, I woke up like that. that. I was
1: like, <laughs> what the hell happened to me? <laughs> but he actually had fake teeth, and he had sat on Brokham. He was visiting his mom in the hospital, and he said yes to a friend of ours, that mutual friend, said, I can get Johnny Paycheck for you to this guy who wanted to get Johnny Paycheck. Uh,
0: so how, and, how did you end up in the studio?
1: Well, it was a place called L.A. Sound or uh, for a while, and before that it was Star Track Recording. And a guy named Amos Siren knew how to get a hold of Paycheck. He was from here too, and he made some calls. And Paycheck lives near Washington Courthouse, Greenfield, Ohio. And he said, "Yeah, what I'm to be in sing? the area. I'll come by, and he'll sing with Grizz because he knew who Grizz Sawbuck was. He grew up; they grew up together. My my listeners don't know who Grizz Sawbuck. Well, Grizz Sawbuck's a guy that I hope he's still around. I don't know, but he knew Paycheck from when they were knocking around in bars. The short story is years later, than then it's in the '70s at that this point in my life. He, they call him up and say would you come by and sing on my record and so pay- Paycheck said yeah I was just working with these guys doing harmonies in the studio and so I ended up being able to sing with Johnny and, and, Paycheck and here's another interesting but, well he sat on his teeth though so he's kind of you know so it was, for yeah it would have been good. like that but he didn't do any S a lot of S's or anything <laughs> Oh, Alright, write a song like, with no S's Johnny lost his teeth again <laughs> Actually, he was very cool and he did an old it was song cool called, <laughs> He did a song called Old Violin Way before it was ever recorded And I was really honored Because I got to meet Paycheck uh, Several years before I recorded Old Violin And he did it with his teeth out Sitting on a wooden stool in a studio A lot of girls charge you an extra 50 For the teeth out If they're well, older a, Well, if you're a girl maybe I don't think Paycheck got a lot of money for this Hmm. For, well, anyway. Um, yeah, we met that hooker once who said for an extra 50 she'd take her teeth out. Remember that, Larry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. That's not a lot like the Johnny story, she was, <laughs> I like I mean, to story. Johnny's these, cooler, but she was a uh, good sport. I like to say things to see if my listeners will
0: believe that that actually happened or not. I guess that's feasible. You might meet an older hooker that you <laughs> really could, I guess. So what? Do, oh, oh, there was another story I wanted you to tell. This is a travel story too. Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. You
1: were in Nashville. Yeah, I, I lived there for all. I you were trying to here. sell songs. I took them. I well, I did other people's demos a lot, and we took them down there a lot. Yeah.
0: And you were tra- you were somehow got a meeting with Roy Orbison's wife.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is an embarrassing no, story. It's, it's not. Are you comfortable no, telling this story? It's not a meeting with his wife. It's worse, actually. I parked in. Barbara Orbison's parking lot to uh-huh. go visit a friend across from their publishing, which would be Roy Orbison's house of you know publishing. And his, he's gone at that point. He was dead, but he time. was dead. And yeah, it was in the nineties. And uh, his wife ran it. I parked my car in their parking lot and went across the street to see a friend of mine who was a publisher over there. And I came back out of the place. Look over, and my car is slowly backing up. My my, they're on a hill. A lot of hills in Nashville. And it was like had let go of its parking brake, and it was slowly. oh, so you're
0: parked on a hill, yeah. And it must have
1: been in neutral or something because it's slowly well, I, yeah. coming down. It, I had it neutral. It pumped uh-huh. into neutral, and it was letting the car weight uh-huh. was pulling it back into a big, what four by four kind of uh, Escalade looking oh. car. And I'm going, oh, no, my car has hit. It was, before I could get over there, it had bumped the other car.
0: And it's Debbie Orbison? Or and I went, in the ha-
1: I went in the place to see who could tell me whose car it was. Ugh. And the lady said, just a minute. Went back and came back with a woman uh, with dark hair who said, what's the problem? Because I told her that my car had hit a car. And um, it was not a good, a good thing because it was not the way I would want to meet Roy Orbison's wife. And no, I said, I'm not here to do business with you guys, and I think they're probably really glad about that because. Um, so you didn't say, "Hey, by the way, I got some songs in the trunk. You <laughs> got to hear I this." Didn't have the gall to say that at that point, but it was Barbara Orbison, and she's uh, and I, it cost me $3,500 You know $3, what? I would have. I would have done it too. It didn't I, cost I me $3,500, but my insurance had to pay $3,500 for a little tiny bump in the back of her really cool car. But she's a real nice lady. I mean, I would I would
0: have made her listen to a song. Well, yeah I would have anyway I would have said I know you probably Hate me right now But
1: uh, Listen well, to this I, was, I, sh- I just I really wanted to go out And get that And go like What do you think of I was alright <laughs> you know, And then no Then I would have done that <laughs> I hit your car And now you're Crying <laughs> For a while I could smile
0: for but Do I, you know how I, to play that song? What is no, it? No, it's uh, crying
1: And I would have been him. crying If I'd have tried to do that Okay <laughs> I had that heart.
0: My dad said, One day, son, you're going to go far. So I packed up that old twelve string guitar.
1: Put everything that I owned into my My car. car And to move to Nashville is not all that far Go to Nashville,
0: become a star Unless you wreck into Roy Orbison's wife's car Her car Her car you wreck into her car son you ain't gonna be a country star let's all wreck
1: into roy orbison's wife's car i visited a friend at a sub shop right across where she parked her vehicle and mine slid back into her door shit Cost me about thirty five hundred dollars. Maybe a little bit more. He
0: did harm, he did harm, but it's all right 'cause Larry had state
1: farm. I did harm, he did harm. But it's all right because I had State Farm.
0: Charm. But he well, was. He did harm.
1: He did harm. Larry did harm. Vehicular harm. But at least he had state farm. If you're gonna be a songwriter, don't bump into folks that you'd be better off wasting strokes, making friends and stuff.
0: That's pretty good. We could get something out of that. You, Hello,
1: Mary. Is you that, need to make your visa payment to my daughter. I want to talk to Mary. To Mary, she always takes my payment. You need to make the
0: payment to my daughter for the visa bill.
1: I know. I I, I want to make it. I want. I'll do a double.
0: I will make you curry. That is so hot. Your ass
1: will burn. Hey, wait a minute. I want to talk to Mary. This is you
0: do not talk
1: to Mary. You talk to me. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello. I can't. I can't do this. You fuck a mother. All right. Sorry. I don't Say. know what that was. <laughs> that sounded a lot like her. But she
0: always says. Her I was name trying to be like her dad or something. Yeah.
1: I. I <laughs> there.
0: Uh. Uh, we were once uh, we got a gig in our improv group this is years ago we played the Tropicana in Las Vegas. It was so awesome to get to go out there and to get paid to work the Tropicana this legendary Vegas hotel you yeah. remember wasn't it awesome? Oh yeah it was amazing it was it was incredible and but we had this old shitty van. That was, like, on its last leg and about to break down. And we're like, there's no way this thing's going to make it to Vegas. And we all loaded into it, like, five guys from the improv group. And we had this guy who would always drive. And uh, he, I won't mention his name, but he was a funny dude. But he, like, for some reason had this crazy mental disorder. Do you remember this? Where he he had to drive. All the way to where we were going. If we were going to Vegas, he would try to not stop so at true. all. Yeah. Like, he wanted to get there. So
1: if somebody had to pee, he'd be like, no. Well, I'd hoped I'd forget about that. But that's no, that's That's very true. We've got to get to Vegas. I know. Need to know basis. So <laughs> Where can we stop? Need to know basis. This, How long will it be? Need to know basis. So Larry is gets so mad, and he has to pee, and he's
0: just like... Screw it. Yeah. He well, pulls sh- out a milk bottle and starts peeing in the bottle.
1: I did that. You <laughs> did. I'm sorry that I did it. And it, but it smelled I, like pee well, in the van. It was a milk b- and bottle. And it was a milk bottle, so it was well, mixing with... with. I know. That's what the why.
0: It was homogenated it? piss. It,
1: it, yeah. It was like if a m- milk product was in it and then the piss was in it. It was not <laughs> a good combination of stuff. <sighs> There shouldn't be anything cheesy in but that's the why, van That's like why pee. Jeff used to say it smells like somebody pissed on a Big Mac. <laughs> that's why in the van. That's why he said that the smell was like that. I think that's what he was commenting. <laughs> Jeff's used to say that particular phrase, and I didn't get it till now we're talking it's the cheesy part. It milk products. Oh boy, we'll be right back after this
0: very strange song already in progress. <laughs> We're going and we're going full throttle. Larry just took a piss in a bottle. We're going to Vegas and we're going to Vegas tonight. A night
1: to Vegas.
0: Okay, that was stupid. We'll be right back with comedian Chris Cohen talking to us about Mexico and showing police officers his cock. Okay, we're back. I have with me in the studio, very funny comedian, Chris Cohen. Hilarious guy. I've worked with this guy a few times. And uh, I've, I always enjoy watching um, your stuff, Chris. Well, thank you. How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, it'll be five years uh, at the end of May.
2: Unless you count the one time I did a comedy three years before that where I was so drunk, I
0: don't really remember uh, 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 too much about it. <laughs> Then we shouldn't count like half of my times in comedy. I was going to say, I've been doing it three years. <laughs> yeah. Today we're going to be talking about Mexico. Um, we're broadcasting today again from Columbus, Ohio. I have not left yet, so I don't know what kind of travel podcast. doesn't travel much, but I will be traveling, folks promise we'll be in some cool locations um i've never been to mexico really never but i've been a lot of other places but okay now what brought you to mexico tell us the story and what happened there you have a couple of stories yeah well the first time i went
2: uh i was a junior in college and we did the spring break thing and uh you know, I'm only going to say the website, and if you want to edit this out, that's fine. Uh, we went through this company called eStudentTravel.com, and the only reason I bring it up is because where the story's going. You'll see why I brought them up. But long story, there were uh, 20 in a group, th- 13 girls, 7 guys, and we got together. We put down some money for depositable. What these companies like to do, and they're full of them. There's a ton of them that just do this. They will take your money over book, counting on broke college students to back out last second. So they... Almost always will screw someone if not enough people cancel, which is almost always the case. Well, come about two days before we're supposed to fly out of Columbus on a Saturday, uh-huh. and it turns out we didn't have a plane. You know, so we're making calls, we're getting angry, we're you know cursing the guy up and down. He's just like, well, you know, I don't know, we're gonna have to return your deposits. You know, you'll get them three months from now, maybe three months for a college student. You know. is a good weekend, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to get some Beast, you know. I'm going to get a pack of GPCs. Like, I'm going to have my weekend set. Well, we ended up having a girl who knew a family friend who was a travel agent. She found a way to backdoor these tickets. But in the meantime, we thought our trip was over. So Saturday, we have no tickets. We get up. We go to one of those sorority annexes. We put on our bathing suits, tanning oil. We turn the heat up to 85 in their house. And we just get tanked all day. We're just crushing liquor. And then we get a call at 6 o'clock. We've been drinking hard liquor for five hours. We get a call. Hey, we got your plane tickets out oh, of geez. Pittsburgh at 10 p.m. So we're like, uh, this is not going to work at all. So a couple of parents got SUVs, came, picked us up. We're all hammered. People are passing out. Like, we're trying to pack our bags again, covered in tanning oil, drunk. We get to Pittsburgh, fly to Atlanta. Turns out there's a problem with the engine. Oh. So we're stuck in Atlanta Airport from 4 a.m. until midnight on Sunday. Uh, We don't have our bags because we all, you know, checked our bags. Uh, We had like one carry-on. We're all sharing toothpaste with our fingers. We got a couple meal vouchers trying to sleep. We get down to uh, Cancun, Mexico, and there was some time difference about 2 o'clock in the morning. Walk up to our hotel, five-star. They're like, oh, yeah, we gave your rooms to somebody else because you were supposed to show up yesterday. So now we're in Mexico. We're two days late, no sleep, hungover, haven't showered. 20 of us, so we get to the the guy, he, he was like yelling at us, like this uh, Mexican travel rep that worked for him, he's just going ballistic, like you guys are late, you know, I've been waiting 12 hours, and we just unload on him, we're like, we're late because you screwed us on the tickets, all of a sudden his whole attitude changes, so he gets us a couple uh, vans, takes us to another hotel, so we're like, alright, we'll get a room here, the manager of the hotel comes up to us about 3 in the morning at a tiki bar, he is tanked, He's like, hey, if you guys want a room, he goes, here's the keys. He goes, now here's the thing. There's four guys passed out in there, so you're going to have to throw <laughs> what? them out.
0: What? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and so what we, the
0: hell kind of hotel? This is in what city? In? This is in Cancun, Cancun Mexico. Yeah. So he tells you, we got a room for you, but there's four guys passed out you have to throw out. Yeah. And you're so tired and drunk, you're probably like, all right, let's do it. I swear to God, we thought about it, but the one thing I heard before we
2: went to Mexico for people is don't, you know, foreign country in general, don't start shit. Yeah, that's a good policy. And Mexican the other, prison is not where you want to be. Yeah, if you've seen Locked Up Abroad, you don't want to start anything. Right. So, you know, I had the $20 bill tucked in my sock just for the moments to where this is going to be an issue. Uh, so we get down there. We decide not to do that. You know, a couple of guys are scouting out. A couple of guys went to the, the wait for the travel agency to open up in the morning. Got a bunch of things going on. So while we're sitting there at this tiki bar... We got all our stuff piled up. People were passing out in lawn chairs at this tiki bar. And these little Mexican kids just run in all once, like seven of them, to start grabbing shoes left and right and just scatter in seven different directions. So now (laughs) everyone without shoes is now screwed. We have no shoes. So
0: uh, luckily I didn't take my shoes off. Enrique, I want you and the others to go get the gringo (laughs) shoes get the gringo shoes
2: it was like we were marks right from the beginning when we got (laughs) off like it was all one big setup
0: and you know like yeah it was one big setup they sold you the yeah we'll get them in the van and once we get them to the bar i want you kids to take their shoes uh it was well
2: it get even worse so then these drunk guys come back from the bar and we were there with some hot chicks Uh and uh this guy's like, yeah, the girls can use my shower, but you guys have to stay out here. And I was like, absolutely not, you creep. I'm like, I will stand in the room while they shower. Like, between you and the bathroom. So this all happens, and you could tell the guy was kind of upset because I blew up his date rape ploy or whatever he was playing and Something, he was he looked like a creep. You, you know? cock-blocked him. Pretty much. Uh, Deservedly, he yeah. deserved it. So I took a shower, and my socks and underwear were so nasty I threw it right in his trash can. <laughs> I'm like, here you go, this is for trying to creep on our chicks. So we end up getting out of there, and at noon, it's noon on Monday at this point, still no hotel, two days straight, airports, tiki bars, shoes gone, we go in there. You're walking
0: around barefoot?
2: Uh, I, I kept my shoes, but some people were buying flip-flops from like street <laughs> vendors and stuff like that. Well, one of the guys in our group was Defensive Player of the Year in the Ohio Athletic Conference. He's about 6'2", about 235. What's his name? Eric Peterson. Okay. This is back in 99, I think he got it. Who did he play for? Muskingum College. Okay. Now Muskingum University, where we went. So he's a big boy, a huh? Big boy. Um, we get there, there's about 30 people in line to the travel agency, and they have their liaison there. Dude walks right past all of them. Walks right past 20 people, goes, I'm going to see the manager. Like, we can't see him, we got some problems. He kicks down the guy's door. Guy has a baseball bat in the corner. He grabs a baseball bat out slams a baseball bat on this guy's desk and was like, I want rooms for 20 people at a five-star. You have one hour to make it happen. And the guy's like, I'll call the police. And he holds that bat and he points it right in his face and goes, your brains will be all over the phone if you call the police. He goes, you will not survive if you call the police. And he's like, I speak Spanish. He didn't speak any Spanish, by the way. Oh, yeah. This guy was so (laughs) bluffing. Total bluff. (laughs) It was awesome. Next thing you know, there's three taxes In Mexico, the balls. Yeah. He was that pissed off. After two days of no sleep and drinking, he had reached his breaking point. So we ended up getting a four-star hotel, but it (laughs) took 48 hours, theft, intrigue, like all these horrible things. Get down there, had a great time for six nights. Then we get back, same BS coming back. Same BS. We ended up having to jump on these flights. We got back two of the guys out of the 18, uh, 18 of us got through, two of the guys didn't. It took them, uh, the nearest they could get them was a day later, they flew into Atlanta. Their parents had to drive from Ohio to Georgia, pick them up, and then take them back. So this this all went down in like a week and a half. What was the name of the company? eStudentTravel.com.
0: eStudentTravel.com. So would you recommend uh, eStudentTravel?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm on their website. I'm a spokesman for them. That's great. In fairness, though... There were, like, seven travel agencies, all with, like, 20 students minimum in line. So it was just, like, it was just a scam. They all got together, took everybody's money, and then they would like, yeah, we'll figure out the bullshit
0: later. Wow. So, so well, there's a travel tip for you, folks. If you're, <laughs> if you're a younger listener and you're a student and you're thinking about traveling down to uh, Cancun, and I'm sure a lot of kids do around spring break, do not uh, use one of those companies. You know, I would call ahead and... Make reservations, get get the flight yourself. It sounds to me like you don't want to go through a company like that. I would highly recommend using
2: a real travel agent like yeah. if you're going to do something like that. Uh, see, I don't use them.
0: I just, I'll, I'll make calls and I'll just do it myself. I, I've always been like that. Or I'll just show up to town. I mean, right. we we crossed the border into Cambodia. We didn't have... I mean, we had to. At the, it's a long story, but I, I landed in Bangkok one day to see a friend... And, um, he, and a, kind of a civil war kind of deal broke out. Oh, uh, not, of course. <laughs> not, a, not a full scale, but it was some tension. So they told us for safety, going to Cambodia. For safety. Okay. And when I think safety, Cambodia is the first place on Obviously. my mind. Pol Pot. <laughs> Pol Pot was very safe when he killed everybody. So uh, we didn't have reservations, didn't have anything. And we got in there, found hotels, uh, had a great trip. I think sometimes it's good... To just sort of go make it happen. If you have the money and the, and the time and stuff to do it, that's the way to go. Yeah, Well, probably good uh, hotel availability after the mass genocide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you kill like a third of the population, a lot of rooms open up, I find. <clears throat> I imagine some of those countries, uh, a civil war
2: is like a seasonal thing. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a tsunami and the uh, civil war is breaking
0: out. But it'll be passed, it'll blow over, we'll have another one in well, the fall. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Like, I had no idea that that was going to happen. I, and literally, the day I landed, my buddy John Wilson was like, Bro, I got bad news. I got... <laughs> and I had just gotten off of 24 hours of sleeping in airplanes and, and, and
2: airports. Look, I don't have time to explain, but here's a Claymore mine and a stick. Like, you've got to go
0: out about three miles into the jungle, wait seven days, and come back. It was uh, scary, but overall, you, did you enjoy your experience in Mexico besides all that uh, drama? was your, the, You said the six-day experience. Oh, uh, it was fantastic. Uh,
2: one thing you learn, especially in Mexico for Americans, is traffic laws are pretty much a moot point in mm-hmm. Mexico. No one has insurance. A uh, taxi driver collided with this guy that was parked, just kept riding on, moving down the street, didn't care. I've done that. Oh, yeah. They drive like 70 miles an hour because they get paid by the job, you know, so they don't have time to screw around. Like, so it, it was a lot of fun. They had some crazy nightclubs there, people swinging off ceilings. We ran into the mafia there at one point. They were buying us drinks because my one buddy was so tight. Mexican mafia? Yeah. He was dancing like an ass, and they had their own VIP table. And they were laughing so hard at this guy dancing. He was like blackout drunk. <laughs> that they called a couple of us over and they were just buying us shots left and <laughs> right. And you could tell because like everyone that knew what was going on, they were like, this place was packed. Like assholes and elbows was the whole place. And there was yet, there was like a 20 foot radius around this table they had. And smoking hot chicks, huge dudes, wearing tons of gold. And like for some reason they
0: thought my buddy was funny. So well, they just, thank God they liked him and it didn't go the other way. Yeah, exactly. End up in a ditch in Mexico somewhere. Yeah. It was a good time, though. Um,
2: Did you feel safe? You know, at Cancun I did. Um, I also went to Cabo, also felt safe there. I went there later, which is a whole other uh, thing. One of the interesting things about when I was in Mexico both times, you get offered drugs at a rate that will blow your mind.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. Same thing in uh, Asia. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Like, tell me about that.
2: Well, I went to Cabo, I went to Cabo about uh, five years after the Cancun incident, and I was a fill-in for a guy, and I had just started working, uh, had some legal troubles with, uh, you know, drinking and driving, things like that, so I didn't have a lot of money saved up, so I went down there with like three days' notice for Now, what do you
0: mean you were a fill-in
2: guy for somebody? Some guy backed out last second of my group of friends, so they were like, hey, we got this extra ticket, it's yours, so I used all my money for this ticket, and I had a little bit of spending money. Uh, First night down, we go to a strip club, I blow it all. Horrible decision. So for four days, I was eating nothing but granola bars, leftovers from room service that people didn't eat, and I had a tube of beef jerky. So I lost like six pounds, (laughs) but I had booze, which is all that really matters. But I mean, we called the ice man to the room, and uh, we wanted some ice, and he lifts up the ice, he lifts up a bag of it, and then underneath it, he pulls out a sack of Coke and a sack of weed. Was like, you want Coke? You want weed? And we're like looking around. Because when you're out in America, you're thinking like, all right, where's the catch? Uh-huh. Someone's going to kick the door down. And we're like, no on the Coke. One guy who in a room bought the weed. Right. Which is hilarious. He said it was the worst weed he's ever smoked. I bet. The
0: way. Same thing in Asia. I wasn't impressed with the weed that we found. I mean, the hash was good, but the weed was not very impressive. I found... It's probably like uh, what the the pioneers used to do to the Native Americans,
2: you know, at the trading posts. Uh-huh. They have like the whiskey for the Indians, and then they have the whiskey for like the settlers. Yeah, and, like way watered down. Like, so it's probably something like that. I got worse. the pale face mm. weed, mm. Uh, the round eye weed. Down yeah, in, in yeah. Yeah, we got the shakes and stems for the
0: white guys. Uh, we'll just give them that. But uh, fifty cent yeah. beers, we would just drink like six of those and then smoke a joint. and You would feel high. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you gotta
2: get a, you gotta get a warm up. It was funny though. we were on the beach. If you've never been to Cabo, it's on the Baja California part. So it's real mountainous. So the beach is only maybe 25, 30 yards long. And uh, they have it roped off. So these, these ring vendors and these people peddling their stuff can only come within so many feet of you. They're almost in the ocean because the beach is so short. But there was this lady, she's probably about 35 years old, little petite thing. She has these rings and she flips open the box and there's all these cheap rings in there. She's like, you want the rings? And we're like, no, we're good takes her two middle fingers, flips the rings up, smooth as can be, Coke and weed, on the beach, in front of the full view of the whole hotel. It's like, you want Coke? You want weed? We're like, I'm like, once again, I'm like looking over my shoulder like, all right, where's where's the the catch? Where's the Federales running down the beach at us? We're like, no thanks. And uh, while you're eating on the beach, same thing, like, whatever they would offer, there was also drugs underneath of that. Yeah. So it was fascinating.
0: Yeah, I noticed in in Cambodia, we we crossed the border into a town, I think it was called Kokong. And there was a place, there was a hotel there called the Apex, and it was awesome. But it seemed like every hotel or motel we checked into there, somebody offered us weed. Uh, Usually a... um, like a bell... Uh, the guy that takes your bags. The bellhop or whatever. Yeah, I don't think... I, they're not bellhops over there per se, but, you know, the, that same similar thing. Right, right, right. And they always had weed, however much you want. Do <laughs> You want weed? You want girls? And I was too afraid to fuck anything over there. Oh, I'll, yeah. Because they have the highest HIV rate in the world. You really don't want to fuck anything in Asia. I would try to find, like... I, we tried to hook up with these, um, like... British and uh European backpacker chicks and some of them were knockout beautiful just like making their way through Asia on buses and stuff it takes a special kind of person to do that especially as
2: a chick you know as a dude you're nervous enough but can you imagine being like a 22 year old chick with a backpack and it's like ah, I'm just gonna go and hike across a foreign language land where i don't speak anything i
0: don't know anything yeah it was interesting some people just have that spirit it's pretty impressive. i think i have that i like I'm, I'm all for the last 20 years i've been traveling and going all kinds of places and i think if you the farther you travel the more um it's how, how do i explain this it changes your perspective right when you go to a foreign country like that and you see how they live it really you get to know yourself it's interesting you really grow spiritually the farther you travel this is what i want to say the farther you travel the more spiritually i believe you grow okay the more exotic the place um so i learned uh, i i grew a lot spiritually in cambodia man
2: yeah it's pretty wild yeah you well, you were talking about the girls yeah you do get offered like sex overseas a lot too or not even just in other countries it's it's pretty it's something you're just not used to did they have that in Mexico? yeah the strip club actually uh, working right in the lap dance you know offering it to you right there wow just like and you're like this isn't like the strip club down the street I'm used to this is no private dance (laughs) yeah and you were like as long
0: as I don't have to wear a condom
2: yeah, uh, well, I remember my one buddy, they had a slide in this one strip club, and he was gone for like 20 minutes, and all <laughs> of a sudden he comes down, He's he's got his, he's in nothing but his boxer shorts, he's got a stripper between his legs, and a stripper behind him, he's going down the slide with his hands up like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what you want to do, just take a shower. And he's just like, nah, I just got a double lap dance. And he's like, but I could've, if I had $300, I could've, you know, had sex with two women. And I'm like,
0: wow, so... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm interested in that right now. I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, I'd rather find a joint and something like that. Where's your favorite uh, favorite place to do comedy? What's your favorite room?
2: I, to be honest with you, if you, when you start off, you do so many bad rooms, right? You'll take a club any day. Uh-huh. That's just that's just a rule. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but I would. I love to do clubs because people in it. When you do shows anymore, you realize people, they have their smartphones. Like, these places charge a dollar to get in. They don't give a shit about the, the comedy. Uh-huh. You know, like, any place where people want to see the comedy is so much different than, hey, you know, I got, my buddy Steve owns a pizza shop. We're going to do a show here. I'll pay you a hundred bucks. You do 20 minutes. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then you get there. No one,
0: they don't promote the show. They don't care. I, yeah, I would find gigs where people were there to drink and not see comedy. And they're like, what the hell? What are these guys doing? It's it's one of the funniest things
2: ever. Is when new comics start off, they're so hard up to get stage time. They will literally do any room, and we've all been there. Yeah, and I think the worst experience I had, I did a VFW one time, and the average age of the room was like mummy. It was yeah. it was horrible, and like they couldn't hear me. This guy brought two kids right in right at the beginning of the show. I was like, well, there goes seventy percent of my jokes. Uh, so just. I'll do, I'll do jokes anywhere. I don't give a shit. But, you know, once you when you start off, you do so many bad rooms, you will take anything where they're paying attention.
0: Dude, I've done prisons, bowling alleys, titty bars. My first pitch, show it was a boy alley. Yeah. I just kept acting like the crashing pins were applause breaks. <laughs> like, man, I'm killing. And <laughs> hey, we'll be right back, folks. All right, we're back. We're here with Chris Cohen, very funny guy. Uh, what's your next gig? Where are you going? Uh, well, actually, tonight I'm doing a fundraiser for a college group.
2: Very minor show, very last minute. But uh, Where is it? In Columbus? Yeah, it's downtown on campus for Ohio State. Uh, local guy started it up. He's a student there, and then it's actually pretty cool to get stage time for some local guys. He goes to these student union groups. He's like, hey, do a fundraiser for you, but you got to sell X amount of tickets or I won't do the show. He gets a little kickback on it, spreads it to the comics, and then it gives a chance for these people to try something new for a fundraiser. I mean, I've done the Business Women's Association now for him. Uh, you know, the fraternities and sororities do it. Just every group that wants to sell tickets does it. So the bad thing is because it's college students, half the shows cancel. So I only fill in for it. I won't book it. Right. I won't build anything around it. But And then after that, next weekend, i got a local show, and then I'm in uh, Coldwater, Michigan. Oh, I did a show in Coldwater years ago. Yeah, last time I was there, the headliner was a freaking... Uh, I was supposed to you know, open the show and feature do a half hour to 40 minutes at Two the man most. Two-man show. Two-man show, which is where all these small-town shows go. And the headliner went to the wrong city. Oh, uh, boy. show started at uh, 5 after 8. They wouldn't delay it more than 5 minutes. He showed up at 9.30, so I did an hour and 25 with like 10 minutes head start notice. And I, I eventually got to the point where I ran out of material. Just because I wasn't prepared. Sure. I had the material, but, you know... When Someone says, Hey, do 25 minutes, no problem. I wake up, wake me up out of a dead sleep, do 25, no problem. Someone wakes you up out of a dead sleep, says, Do an hour and a half. I got out, I ran out of crap, so I just started talking about all the times I got arrested. <laughs> like at the state park, I got arrested, it was a really funny story, a couple of DUI stories, things like that. So eventually, I got to the point where it's like, Folks, I'm out of jokes, but I have to stay up here, so let's just talk about. The time I showed a cop my morning wood. Let's hear about that. And we just one on one. You
0: showed a cop your morning wood? Yeah, yeah. Why would you think that that would be a smart thing to do?
2: Well, back to the dead sleep, uh, I was 20 years old, and I was at a fraternity retreat at a state park, Salt Fork State Park in eastern Ohio. And uh, ten of us there, we drank 630 packs of beer and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I went down about 3 in the morning. Well, one guy passed out, blaring... I have no idea why. He was blaring Garth Brooks the Hits on my boom box. Ugh. Passed out and uh, called the cops. Cops showed up at 6 in the morning. Front door wide open, so they just came in. They didn't even need permission because there was no door. Yeah. And uh, everybody was was up except for me. I was in a dead, I'm a sound sleeper, and I was hammered anyway. So I saw a flashlight in my face, and it was in my boxer shorts. And I thought it was my buddies fucking with me, right? And uh, so they're like, yeah, hey, you need to get up, son. I was like, seriously, guys, that's enough. Like, I need to sleep. And they're like, yeah, I don't think you know who this is. And I was like... He's like, you have any ID? And my eyes were still weren't open. So I threw the blanket off, and I had my morning wood. I grabbed my dick through the boxer hole, and I was like, here's my ID, you fucking cocksuckers. And next thing I know, I got three cops, like, shaking me, getting me out of bed. And I was like, oh, this isn't my buddies. So they're like, put on your trousers. And I was being a smartass. I was still out of it. I was like, I don't have any trousers, sir, but I do have pants. <laughs> it's
0: like... He's like, put on your pants. This is class. an 1875 officer. Yeah, We yeah. wear pants now. <laughs> yeah. Put on your
2: culottes and get
0: out here. All right. Put on your powder wig and your knickers.
2: Yeah, buckle your shoes and get <laughs> out of here. Let me write ye a citation. So I ended up going. I'm sitting in the back of a cop car with no shirt on, no shoes, nothing but pants on. And uh, he wrote me a ticket for an underage consumption. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And I fought it in court like an ass because I'm one of those guys. I always fight to the bitter end. Right. And basically, the judge is like, look, it's cop's word versus yours. And uh, so my lawyer goes, well, it looks like we're screwed. And I was like, you're fired. He's like, you can't fire me. You're about to get sentenced. I was like, no, on principle, you told me I'd get off, so get out. And he's just like, all right. So he left, and the judge is like, what was that all about? I was like, he told me I'd get off because I didn't get a breathalyzer, and this cop's a liar, and I know you're going to believe him over me. So just on principle, I just fired my lawyer. And he's like, what's he charge you? I was like, $300. He goes... He goes, you know what? He goes, you're definitely right. You are going to get convicted of this. He goes, but just to be cool, he goes, how about a $100 fine? I was like, I'll take it. And the judge was actually laughing. He's like, I've been on the bench for 15 (laughs) years. I've never seen a guy fire his lawyer on the spot. He's like, that was fantastic. Excellent. That's really cool. What a great story. Yeah. It was funny, though, because the first time I got arrested for an underage, I was uh, just turned 19. My mom got the letter. It got sent back home. She's like in tears. Like, you're going to get thrown out of college. Your life is over. <laughs> At that point, it was uh, my junior in college. And uh, she got the letter and was like, what's this? I was like, ah, another underage. She goes, you dumbass. I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're going to pay for it, right? You know, don't I always? And she goes, all right. And then we just moved right on to the next thing. So it was kind of
0: a desensitization thing for my mom. She pretty much learned I was a degenerate right from that point on. Well, I don't think you're the, you're the only guy getting... Underage consumption in college, you know, it, that's such a small town to thing.
2: It. It's a small town thing. I swear to God, I went to. I'm from a town, small town. My college had 1,500 people in the town. Like big city people don't deal with that, you know. Like it's just a small town thing. They're like, God, we need to fund this police budget. Uh, oh look, there's young kids. Let's shake them down. Sure, get them for whatever. You know, I get an underage for sleeping in a bed. There was actually no booze left in the place. There was no. There wasn't even one can of beer. So it's just yeah, whatever. It is what it is.
0: Do you have a website you want to plug?
2: Yeah, chriscohencomedy.com. Uh, I do blog five days a week. Uh, really took off last year. My web guy. Actually, you were getting on me too because I was blogging like once a week. Yeah, yeah, and I told you
0: you should blog more. And here now I stopped blogging everything. <laughs> I, I got lazy. Uh, but I'm going to get back into it. I just, uh, you know, was going through a really weird time uh, the last oh couple hundred days have been really up and down and crazy stuff but yeah, you got a lot to blog about from your yeah experience. <laughs> yeah i do i do it's just i can't talk about half of it so no nah, yeah. no my blogs that basically uh
2: it's it's pretty comedian friendly
0: because
2: mm-hmm. i have to blog about something every day you know it's hard to think of everything i'm not going to talk about you know tons of current events i talk about a lot of shows i did pretty much review every show i do I love going to open mics and watching comedians and just watching them just be awful. Mm-hmm. And I blog about. I don't. I never call anybody out by name, but you know, I just blog about different things I see. There was a new guy at this uh, show. I did a blog about it, and God, he was so bad. But it was funny because he it's his first time doing comedy, and all his buddies are videotaping him. Oh wow! They're tweeting. They're like recording a set. They're like they're interviewing him before the show, and I'm just like, there is a ninety percent chance I will never see this guy again in three weeks. So I always compared it to, like when you watch those black and white videos of those guys with the flying contraptions from the 1800s, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you see them and they take off, and they're going like 10 feet, you're like, he's going to make it, he's <laughs> going to make it! And then he crashes and it bursts into flames. That's a new comedian. Yeah. Because they bring like 22 buddies out, they think they're killing in a room of 40 people because they have like 52% of the crowd, and then their buddies quit coming after a couple weeks
0: and they're like, wow,
2: this really isn't
0: that easy. Yeah, Rob Durham calls it the sophomore slump. Uh, it's it, when you the first couple of shows you bring your friends and you kill and then you do that first show without your friends there and you're like man i thought i was funny yeah well uh, i remember i saw this guy when i first started i've
2: been doing about four months and and I, I wrote a lot before i even went on stage i had 20 minutes before everyone ever went on stage now looking back i probably had about four minutes right but you know i had 20 minutes to talk about and this guy killed he brought a ton of friends and, him and his buddies are outside smoking you're like man like first show, you killed it, man. You're going to be headlining this club. Like You should get a hold of the manager. And I just started laughing. And I'd only been in comedy like five months at that point. And this guy's like, well, you, you a hater, man? I'm like, I'm not a hater, dude. I'm just telling you. I've killed in this room a lot. I was like, you're not going to headline. You're not going to feature. You're not even hate Was MC. this the Funny Bone? Yeah, at the Funny yeah. Bone. And this guy's like, whatever, man, you're a hater. And the, the funny thing is, I'm wanting to say the guy, three years later, the guy was emceeing for me at a club where I was the feature act. And he obviously came around to the sobering reality that killing at a five-minute show with 40 people really doesn't, like, skyrocket you into instant celebrity. So.
0: Yeah, comedy is uh, not as easy as it looks. The thing about comedy is you see good comedians on TV and in clubs, and they're great, but they make it look easy. Right. So then everybody thinks, oh, I could do that. And uh, you, you, you can't unless you really dedicate yourself and work hard at it. One thing I do love
2: about the New Comedians, too, as I observed, is in, in Columbus, where we both live, is there's a ton of open mics, but everyone's way different. You know, the Funny Bone runs one, and it's like the club one. It's the one to be at because, it, you know, people there to see comedy. But there's one on campus that's just drunk college students. Mm-hmm. And there's one that's like a hipster bar, and it's all these you know, PBR drinking, you know weird beard guys like hanging out there with their skinny jeans on. Right. And like there's certain comedians that I'll go to an open mic just like, hey, I have been to this one in the six months, I'll check it out. And there's certain comedians you only see at the one because they know like, oh, my wheelhouse is 23-year-old drunk guys who sure. like rape jokes. And they will only go to that one bar. And like it's just, why do you do this? Like what's the point? Like it's something that they like doing, but you know, it's, it's funny. They never diversify or learn how to make other people laugh other than that one specific group. So, it's just it's fun to see, and then there's people that hit them all, and that's what I did when I first started, and that's the only way you get better.
0: Yeah, you got to try different rooms and different audiences, and be able to get a wide range of people. Yeah, w- wide appeal. That's what like uh, I just did the
2: Greenbrier down in West Virginia. It's this really fancy casino and resort. It's high end, mm-hmm. uh, but like I had to be clean. I couldn't curse at all. No four letter words. <laughs> I had no alcohol before the show, which is part of my routine. I usually get a beer or two at me and I'm sure. on a stage. And, uh, you know, a year ago, two years ago, I, I mean, there's no way in hell I could have done that. And I was just, no problem. Went up, did it, got my paycheck, got the hell out of there. So,. Uh, just by doing different rooms, challenging yourself, you do get better. Mm-hmm. You might not enjoy it at first. Trust me, I've bombed enough. Like, sure, walk in and the average age is sixty-five. I'm like, oh, God, this is not my audience, like, mm-hmm. not at all. But you do it, and if you get laughs, you're like, ah, eh, that's a step. Like, do I have any Reagan material? This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is like, tough. Let me
0: do my uh, AARP material here. <laughs> yeah. I've got a ton of it. Well, uh, good luck to you. Uh, we'll check out your your blog, Chris Cohen Comedy dot com i already read his blog uh so you should too and uh yeah th- any any final tips for travelers anything that uh mistake you might have made
2: uh you know the best things i've ever heard about travel is uh, and i learned this from my buddy's dad before i even started high school he said keep your wallet in one pocket and your cash in the other yeah because if you get one of them taken you got one to fall back on Right, And the reason why he found that out is he was down in New Orleans and someone stole his wallet and he had like $300 in it. And then he's, this is in the 70s. So back then, you know, there's no... That's like a grand in the 70s. Yeah, it's not only like a grand, but there's no cell phones. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, you know, there was no 1-800-COLLECT or whatever. I don't even know if that's still around, but, you know, just his options were extremely limited. Uh, And the other thing I've heard, like I said, I have had minor run-ins, like where, not me, but some people around me were getting... Roughed up by local cops in other countries, and keep that twenty dollar bill in your sock. Uh, money talks. It's it's a culture down there. Like I've heard this story of one of my buddies was traveling, and this well known news anchor was trying to get his flight bumped up, and the guy just would not give him his flight bumped up. And somebody else came up, asked the same thing, threw the guy a ten dollar bill. Versus like this guy, I think he was on CNN at the time. The CNN guy, national celebrity, gets absolutely nothing. This schmuck gets ten dollars he gets his flight bumped up
0: so yeah money goes a long way
2: i find it's a bribery there's a bribery culture that we don't have in this country it's just part of the accepted thing like haggling tipping you know throwing people a 20 spot in this country
0: We're like absolutely not well guess what you're not going to get what you want you could pay 10 bucks and deal with it so. so those are some solid tips thanks for coming on the show cohen and good luck to you uh we will be right back everybody Let's steal the gringos' shoes. That's our show. Thanks, Chris Cohen, comedian, and thank you, music man Larry Ramey. You guys have been uh, really cool for listening. Happy travels. Smoke weed. Here's a song already in progress. Close us out. Down one time, Larry, for all my homies out there. Do your human beatbox, Larry. Larry's a human beatbox.